All right, good morning. In Galatians 3, Paul's letter starts to get more intense as it starts off with, Oh, foolish Galatians. Of course, it's not uh, as a way to mock them, but he really cares about them that they not so quickly and so easily turn away from Christ. Now, the main part of this chapter is uh, about the story of Abraham's faith. Uh, he was declared righteous by faith in God's promise. Verse 6, just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. And this is also uh, what is said from Genesis 15:6. So as a result, all nations and people who live by faith will also be blessed as well. And that brings out God's purpose in doing this, which the Bible Project summarizes as to create one large multi-ethnic family relating to him on the basis of faith. Now, if faith is so important, uh, which it is, then why the law? Paul asks this question, verse 19, why then the law? And he explains briefly that it was to be a temporary measure until Christ came. Until then, it had a negative and positive role, the law did. The negative role was that the law acted like a magnifying glass that pointed out Israel's sin. And as we read the Old Testament, we see all the ways that it played out through sin and rebellion against God and God's law. And they were God's chosen people, but that in it of itself wasn't enough. And the law showed it plainly to them. So in verse 22, the law imprisoned everyone under the power of sin. The positive role is that it created boundaries and instruction for how to live until Christ came, verse 24. That's when he would fulfill the law by loving God and others. He would also take on the curse of sin onto himself, bringing about redemption. As a result, we have this powerful verse from uh, this chapter, verse 28. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And this is the promise we all receive today, that no matter who we are, no matter what we've done, how bad we are, we are recipients of the same promise that Abraham received a long time ago. And that's a quick summary from this chapter. Now, how does this chapter relate to us? I think it relates to the ways we seek to be justified before God by works of the law, by our actions, rather than having faith in Jesus. And this requires some self-reflection and introspection here to see in what ways we feel like our relationship with God is okay based on the things that we do, like keeping up with our spiritual disciplines in a legalistic way. Or if it's not that, we can get other, utterly devastated after we sin or even because of mistakes that we make. We might set up lofty goals and commitments to do better, to not sin in the same way yet again, but then we fail. And where do all these, all these things lead us? Should it not lead us back to God where we know that we can confess our sins, to repent of our wrongs, and to receive His forgiveness again? Should there not be the joy of repentance and being made right before God? Psalm 51 verse 12, Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. And yes, that's what it should do. And here we need to examine ourselves to see if that's happening or not. Are we more defeated by our repeated sins and failures, or are we experiencing the wonder of God's forgiveness and the amazing story of the cross once again? 
2 Corinthians 7.10 For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret, whereas worldly grief produces death. Turning things into rituals rather than having faith in what Jesus has already accomplished on the cross can be a very real struggle for some of us. And in that way, we can receive these words from Paul as a similar exhortation that we not turn our faith into religious deeds to prove our worth or perhaps uh, our standing before others. Instead, that we would be the people who are of faith and blessed along with Abraham. May we take these words to heart.